Earlier this morning, Pfizer announced that the COVID-19 vaccine is developing is 90% effective. The results are preliminary, but do say that this is a meaningful step forward toward creating an effective vaccine. This is the first piece of good virus news in some time. The United States has shattered daily case records multiple times this past week, and San Diego County will likely fall to the purple reopening tier tomorrow. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Jonathan Wozen, you're the biotech reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and you've been following the race for a vaccine for the UT. Can you put this Pfizer news into context? Where does it fit in the wider universe of all of these companies trying to find a vaccine to COVID-19? Yeah, it's a great question, Dan. So Pfizer has been one of the leading companies in the push for a COVID vaccine over the past year. Uh, There are currently four large-scale clinical trials happening in the U.S., one directed by Pfizer, and then also Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and AstraZeneca are the four that are happening right now. There are roughly 10 or 11 such trials happening across the world. Uh, You have about 40-plus vaccines that are at some stage in clinical trials, and then 100-plus, 140-plus, I believe, that are Uh, in the preclinical stage, which means they're being developed in the lab. So Pfizer is pretty much at the leading edge in uh, what's close to 200 different efforts to come up for the worst pandemic the world has faced uh, in a century now. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to read the headline and be like, oh, that sounds great. But what does it actually mean when a vaccine is 90% effective? Like, what's the real science here? Yeah, so First things first, it is great news, actually. When I I spoke with a couple of San Diego researchers who were pretty deeply involved in developing treatments and trying to understand how we can fight this virus, and their first word in in summarizing the results was, this is great. This is the kind of thing you want to see. So what does it mean for a vaccine to appear to be 90% effective? So in this clinical trial uh, of more than, I think, 44,000, close to 45,000 people, Uh, About half of them got the experimental vaccine and half of them got the placebo, which would have been basically a saltwater injection. Um, So in a vaccine trial, people get vaccine or placebo, and then they go about living their normal lives. And because this virus is spreading everywhere, there's a good chance that some of those people in both groups of the trial will be exposed to the virus, will be exposed to the coronavirus. So if the vaccine is actually doing any good in preventing you from getting COVID, then your chances of getting COVID should be less among those who are vaccinated than among those who got the placebo. So what Pfizer reported today were initial results from an independent board of scientists who actually know which people got vaccine and which people got placebo. And so their finding was that about 94 94 people have gotten COVID-19 in this large expansive trial. Um, And the vast majority of them evidently were the people who got placebo, which based on their calculations uh, suggested that the vaccine could be uh, actually even more than 90% effective. Uh, This is initial results. So they're going to continue this trial until uh, basically about 160 plus folks get uh, COVID total to see if that 90% holds up. It, It may not. But the bottom line here is that the FDA has required that any vaccine for COVID-19 be at least 50% effective. So flu shot typically is about 40 to 60% effective. It really depends on the year. 
Uh, the measles vaccine is about 98, 99% effective. So that's a really good vaccine. We have good vaccines uh, for shingles as well as for human papillomavirus. So th these early results that we're seeing, and once again, they're early results, suggest that a COVID-19 vaccine could be uh, even better than, than scientists have been tentatively hoping that it would be. Mm -hmm. And there are also some other questions that I imagine people have about the efficacy of the vaccine. Like, for instance, is it effective for older people? Does it reduce the amount of asymptomatic spread? Do we know anything about those kind of things that are key to a return to normal, as they say? Yeah, so the short answer is we we don't have that information available from the fairly terse press release that, that Pfizer put out, which is, is typical with how these companies report um, initial data from their trials. So the, this 90% efficacy stat that people are throwing around is based on symptomatic cases of COVID-19. So people who felt sick, had COVID symptoms, and then tested positive for the virus. So we actually don't know how effective this vaccine would be in preventing you from becoming an asymptomatic carrier. And that's important because we know that about 40 to 45% of people uh, who get COVID-19 never develop symptoms, but they can still infect others. So uh, an ideal vaccine would prevent people, it would reduce your chances of, of dying, obviously, of getting up in the hospital, of getting sick, and even getting infected and having no symptoms because those people can still uh, spread the virus. So we don't have all of that data available at, at this point in time. Uh, we also don't know how well the vaccine works for people of different ages. So uh, it would be particularly important to have a good vaccine for people who are 65 and up, because actually about 80 plus percent of people who die of COVID are in that age group. Typically vaccines tend to not work as well for older people, which uh, could definitely be a problem. So knowing how well the vaccine works for different groups, uh, knowing how long protection from this vaccine would last is by definition an unanswered question. You can't know if protection lasts for six months until six months have passed. You can't really know it's lasted for a year until a year has passed. So I think people are crossing their fingers, but definitely keeping in mind that there are a lot of uh, open-ended questions right now. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to this specific vaccine, where is it in the trial pipeline? How close is it to being approved? Yeah, so this is part of what's called a phase three vaccine trial. Um, so clinical trials happen in three major phases. So in phase one, you're basically asking, is the vaccine safe? So if we give the vaccine to healthy people, uh, is it safe? What are the side effects? Do the side effects get worse at certain doses? So you're, you're really looking at safety at, at different doses. Uh, phase two, those trials tend to be a little bigger. You might have a few hundred, several hundred people. You're still looking at safety. You're also taking a look at the immune response that people, people have. Um, so that can give you a sense of whether the vaccine uh, might be triggering the kind of immune response that we think is protective. Usually that means, is this vaccine causing people to make antibodies because those are proteins that can grab onto a virus and then prevent that virus from infecting your cells. Uh, but really, the, the third stage, and this is where Pfizer and a handful of companies are at right now, is this phase where you, you vaccinate tens of thousands of people. Some get the vaccine, some get the placebo. You track them over time. And that's really the only way to be certain that a vaccine works. It's also the only way to be certain that it's safe at the level of 
tens of thousands of people. Um, so that's where they're at right now. This puts them, this announcement today, puts them on track to apply for federal authorization late November, which is what they've been saying uh, pretty recently was their plan. So then the FDA would either authorize or choose to not authorize the results based on uh, what, what they're seeing at that point. Um, and I guess mm -hmm. one of the key points we can you know, share with, with people who are tuning in is that uh, unless you're one of the people who's in this trial, you haven't gotten this vaccine yet. Uh, this vaccine will probably not be widely available um, even if it does get FDA authorization until the later half of 2021, judging from uh, what, what experts have been saying. So, you know, the basic public health guidelines in terms of wearing a mask, washing your hands, social distancing, all of those things that people were stressing yesterday and last week and last month, and it feels like probably forever, uh, we're going to have to keep doing those for some time. And even once the vaccine's available, it'll be released in stages. Uh, and you know, abandoning all our other public health strategies could could actually make it harder for a vaccine to uh, quickly control the spread of COVID-19. Yeah, certainly. When you look back at the kind of the United States response to the pandemic itself, uh, we did the very American thing of hoping for this magic bullet, this panacea that will fix everything when in order to beat this virus, we need to use all of the tools that we have and we can't just wait for that magic thing to appear. Yeah, and I think one of the other issues uh, is that, you know, we have a, we're a nation of 50 states, right? Each state has its own way of, of handling public health. And I think different states have taken very different strategies in terms of when to reopen, when to close, um, how emphatic to be and in, in encouraging people to wear masks, the degree of enforcement of public health guidelines. So uh, that that's created a situation where you know, one week, any given week, you may have a few states where cases are trending down. And then in other places, it's going up. Other places, it's kind of steady. So we, we haven't really been on the same page nationally. And uh, to the extent that that continues, we're going to keep seeing uh, outbreaks and, and flare-ups in different places. Mm -hmm. And also, this vaccine is moving forward among other vaccines. This one you know, kind of appears that the winner in the short term. But uh, does this affect any other trials that are ongoing or do you expect those other scientific efforts to continue? So I, I do expect them to continue. Uh, you know, the question of how it's going to affect those other trials, it, it's interesting. It can it kind of goes uh, both ways for different reasons, which I'll, I'll talk about. So, uh, you know, in, in one sense, this is good news for all the other vaccine efforts because it suggests that this might be the kind of virus that we can develop a vaccine for uh, in a shorter period of time than we're used to. So maybe that looks good for Moderna in particular, because they're also using a very similar type of vaccine. It's called RNA, where you take the genetic material that it takes, uh, at, that, that is a blueprint for the virus, and you uh, inject that as the vaccine. Uh, there are other approaches that others are trying, but this might bode well for their success. We'll, we'll have to actually see that. Um, you know, other smaller companies that are developing vaccines, including I think Inovio and, and Arcturus here in San Diego, uh, both of those companies have facilities in San Diego. Uh, you know, they are not as far along. And I think if you look at where the, you know, how their stocks are trading, they, they've taken a hit, uh, despite the markets overall being ahead. And, and that may reflect some pessimism about whether those vaccines will now have as much demand given 
that some of these uh, leading front runners are pretty far along. Um, and also, if this 90% efficacy uh, holds to be true when they, they finally submit to the FDA, then that kind of creates a higher bar for other other vaccines that are looking to, to get clearance. Um, I mean, one, one thing to keep in mind with this vaccine is that it takes two doses. So you have to get vaccinated once and you have to get vaccinated four weeks later. Uh, it's also a vaccine that has to be kept really, really cold. So that's pr frankly going to be a hurdle in terms of getting the vaccine out there to other parts of the world. And even in this country where we don't necessarily have uh, you know, fancy, sophisticated refrigerator systems, uh, you know, holding containers, that sort of thing. So other vaccines that maybe you can keep at room temperature or keep in the fridge uh, could potentially have an upside. Or if a vaccine turns out to work well for older people, and if we find out that this vaccine does not, then, then we may see different vaccines administered in different populations too. Mm -hmm. And uh, during your reporting of kind of the race for a vaccine, uh, San Diego has several connections to this effort. Uh, why don't you explain those? Yeah, so for one thing, we are in all of the trials. <laughs> so the four trials that are happening right now, there are San Diegans participating in, in all of them. Uh, you know, there are a thousand plus who have uh, participated in, in the Darnus trial who have been enrolled there. And, you know, we've been talking with people who have participated in those trials to understand who they are and, and why they signed up. And, you know, one of the through lines, everybody has a different, different story, different uh, reason that they participated, but one of the through lines, I think, was a sense of of hope, you know, a sense of wanting to be part of the solution, wanting to do something that might be beneficial to themselves as far as getting an early dose of what could be an effective vaccine, uh, as well as thinking about friends and family, uh, you know, some of whom have respiratory issues or are older and have pre-existing health conditions. So pe people generally were uh, there's a little bit of altruism, a little bit of self-interest, and, and a little bit of a sense that uh, I want to be part of the solution. We can't stay at home forever. Uh, I spoke with one of the people that we had highlighted in the previous story, uh, Kevin Tostado, who's a uh, stay-at-home father, also part-time uh, TV producer, uh, who, who was uh, actually in the Pfizer trial. And, and you know, he was encouraged by the results. Uh, one of the things he said is, well, I'm going to keep you know, following the public health guidelines because this is just early data and I'm going to keep encouraging people to do the same. But I hope this bodes well for what the vaccine will ultimately be able to do and that hopefully it's something that uh, his his daughters, his, his children uh, would uh, be able to get um, because that was one of the things he was concerned about. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, California has said it would review any vaccines that were approved by the FDA because there was fears that it would be fast-tracked in order to, you know, curry some political favor with the president. This vaccine in Pfizer isn't part of Operation Warp Speed. So, best on what you know, do you think California would still review this Pfizer vaccine? Oh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I haven't heard that uh, specifically coming from the governor, but I, I imagine that they would still go through that process just to give folks in California a sense that the vaccine has been independently vetted. Uh, so, so yeah, so Pfizer, Pfizer's vaccine trial has not been funded by Operation Warp Speed, which is different from many of the other uh, major players here, uh, Moderna, AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca Johnson & Johnson. Uh, but they have struck a, a, you know, a deal with the US government where once the vaccine is approved or if the vaccine is approved for use that 
that the U.S. government would basically pay around, I think, $2 billion for about 100 million doses with the option to purchase more. So the, the, the trials to date have not been funded through Operation Warp Speed, but uh, they are you know, on tap to uh, supply the U.S. government with vaccine once uh, it turns out that uh, once it's the right time to to do that. But I, I, I expect that, you know, those panels that people have set up to uh, review these vaccines will will do so uh, just to give folks uh, kind of an independent sense, um, even though you know, we're, we're going to be having a, a, a new president that uh, independent of the FDA uh, scientists have looked at this, too. Mm-hmm. And also this morning, uh, President-elect Joe Biden announced his COVID-19 task force. Uh, from, you know, hearing that and discussions about his strategy, what are your kind of initial reactions to kind of how he intends on tackling this problem? Well, the one initial reaction I have from taking a look at the kinds of things he's doing is uh, that he is looking very much to get us all on the same page, you know, nationally. Um and, and maybe going back to something we talked about a few minutes ago, the sense that any given any given week, there are states where cases are going up, hospitalizations are going up, deaths are going up, uh, places where it's going down, and places where it's kind of a, a mixed picture. So it, it, it sounds like the Biden administration is it would be uh, you know sharing national guidelines on when to close, when to reopen, how to reopen different establishments. Uh, you know, getting consistent messaging across in terms of having mask wearing mandates across different states, which we currently don't have right now. Uh, so, you know, that, and if, if, if they actually do that, uh, that does have the potential to get us to a point where uh, we're able to control the pandemic across the U.S. at roughly uh, the same period of time. And until we do that, of course, there's always the chance that, that people traveling, people moving around are, are going to be bringing uh, COVID with them. So I think getting people on the same page uh, is going to be incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And uh, within the scientific community, what's the mood when it comes to messaging during this crisis? Because it's human nature that when you see news like this, that you might let your guard down, that you might think, oh, a vaccine is coming. I might not need to wear a mask. It's okay if I hang out indoors with someone that I don't really know for a long amount of time. Is there concern that you know too much optimism may cause us to continue down this dangerous path that the U.S. has been on for the past three weeks? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I spoke with uh, Davey Smith, who's an infectious disease expert at UC San Diego, and that was, you know, right after the initial sort of, this is really great news, the, the next thing he hammered home was, I, I don't want people to take this announcement as a sign they can take off their mask, that they can get together with people they don't live with indoors, uh, you know, breathing the same air, mask on or uh, or off, frankly. So, yes, I think there there's definitely concern that this announcement, which... Uh, has has generated a lot of excitement, maybe a lot of buzz in the short term, uh, is going to lead people to, uh, you know, folks who are understandably, I think, tired of not being able to see friends and not being able to, uh, you know, resume normal activities to, uh, you know, kind of throw caution to the wind. And right now we're at a place where 100,000 Americans are being diagnosed with COVID every day. That's more than one a second, uh, which is 
pretty hard to wrap your mind around. So adding to that uh, would not be a good idea, regardless of whether or not uh, a vaccine is coming down the pipeline in, in perhaps a few or, or several months. So I, I'm definitely hearing strong uh, words of caution in adhering to public health guidelines, not only in the meantime, but even once we begin to see a vaccine rolled out, because it'll take some time uh, to actually uh, pick up uh, to, to detect that, that the vaccine is bringing cases and hospitalizations and, and deaths down. Uh, but certainly a vaccine will be a very powerful tool in doing that. Mm -hmm. All right, Jonathan Wozen, thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you're curious about how Greater San Diego is working toward building a new future after the pandemic and protest, listen to the UT's Luis Cruz on Together San Diego. Join in on conversations with activists, nonprofits, and companies who are finding out ways this moment can change San Diego for the better. Listen in on Facebook. For a guide to all of our live streaming programming, check out the schedule on uniontrib.com. Until next time.